listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister. Starting a meditation practice can be so uh, difficult on so many different levels. And I can say from my experience, it was, uh, it was scary. Because, first of all, I showed up to this place where there were so many people who, first of all, didn't seem very happy. Most of them had these really, you know, kind of sour looks on their face all the time. That's always really encouraging when you're trying to find, like, happiness or awakening or enlightenment or something. <laughs> you know, how you doing? You know, the, fine. Yeah. <laughs> and the, this woman who was teaching us how to, uh, we all kind of, uh, all, the, all the new people assembled in the, uh, the zendo, which is a fancy term for the, the meditation hall. And so we all get in this meditation hall, and uh, she, just, she just sat there. And in my typical Western way, I'm kind of like, you know, come on, lady. Let's get to the goods. Let's get to the, what's what's going on. What's it, you know? And she just kept sitting there, and, and find, I found myself getting so frustrated with being patient. And lo and behold, what did she ask? She said, "How many of you are frustrated right now?" And it's like all these hands kind of went up, and I went, "Phew, okay, I'm not so weird. What the hell is going on?" And her point was brilliant. Can you face? Can you face that which frustrates you with a certain degree of relaxation? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I was walking in expecting X. Instead, I got Y. And that tear in expectation and what was given created this kind of anxiety in me. And she pointed it out beautifully. It was a very neat lesson. And so, of course, I was hooked. and I'm hopeful that tonight, if this is your first time you've ever sat with us, uh, that something like that happens. And if nothing like that happens, that's okay too. Uh, essentially, all we're trying to do in a meditation practice is face our life. That's it. That's it. Just face your life. <laughs> Easy. Uh, so much of, so much of, at least, it's my experience. So much time is spent running, or hiding, or facing things in a partial way that allows for safety to really inform all that we do. And a meditation practice, a, a real authentic meditation practice is not about getting into some state. It's not about escaping. It's not about unplugging so that you can feel better or so that your blood pressure will go down. I mean, all that stuff might, might occur, but that's not the purpose. The purpose of sitting still is to sit still It's to face everything that moves in your experience. 
So from this perspective of stillness, we watch everything that moves. And from that perspective of stillness, everything that moves takes on an entirely different meaning over time. As we infuse, in other words, put it another way, as we infuse our moments with stillness, the rush of the day-to-day -day changes a little bit. It has a qualitative difference. Another metaphor I throw around all the time is imagine that in your stillness practice, you're literally slowing down the rush of the flow of life. And this usually happens within 10 or 15 minutes, or can, can happen within 10 or 15 minutes of sitting. Some people, their minds are just going like this the whole time. That's okay too, that's not, that's not a problem. It's just something that over time begins to settle down. In this settling, the flow of our life begins to, instead of rage like a, you know, uh, uh, you know, a cascading river or waterfall or something, it becomes kind of a still pool that moves very, very, very slowly. And when that happens, we can see more of our life. We can see through the experience of the rushing torrent, and we can see right to the bottom of the stream. And when we can see to the bottom of the stream, we can see all the things that block that free flow. We can see all the things that carry us off into an eddy to the side, where we're constantly like spinning, going, God, what the hell is going on? Why am I in this space again and again and again? Why do I keep going out with that type of guy again? And again? Or whatever it is, we tend to literally spin off. And it might be down the stream a little bit further. It might have been in the past, and then we recreate it again. All of this stuff, this repetitive suffering that occurs, can be let go of with the stillness practice. There's a certain steel that we, we need at this point. Once the, the river starts calming down and we can see the reasons why the eddies form off to the side, we then have to somehow muster the courage to remove the obstacles. It takes courage. In removing those obstacles, what happens? The eddies no longer catch us. And when they happen again, guess what? We're familiar with them. They don't, they don't generate fear in us. They don't generate anxiety. They're just there. And when we meet it with that type of awareness, that type of purposefulness, that flow continues. And deeper and deeper and deeper clarity ensues in the way that we live our lives. So how do we do this? Um, metaphors aside, the purpose, or rather I guess I should say the practice, is met whenever we sit still and relax in what some of us uh, who, who teach call our natural state. I love that one just because it's so kind of non-committal. What is your natural state? Our natural state is just when we are being fully in whatever moment we're experiencing and we're not flinching. We're not trying to hide, trying to fade or fix anything. We're just there meeting whatever it is. So when we sit still, um, it's actually kind of a, a, a physicalized metaphor 
for enlightenment, if we define enlightenment as truly facing what is, truly facing what is, recognizing that what is, is universal, is totally connected, totally one, and then the natural impulse to share all that kind of comes out, we become, we embody rather that awakening. And everybody, everyone here can do, it's like, it's already there. It's already there. It's not something that we get, that we attain. If I sit still long enough, I will attain this. It's, it's not that. It's, that's not the way awakening works. It's if we sit still long enough, we're able to kind of peer through the veil that's always been hiding what is truly us from our experience. We become more of who we are, so much more of who we are that it resonates in the hearts and minds of others just as we meet them, as we smile at them, as we look at them, as we shake hands. And there's nothing magical about that. It's not like we can, you know, anoint each other. Ha ha, you are now awake too, or anything like that. It doesn't work that way. But we become a representation, a physicalized representation, a reminder to all other beings what is possible. Every one of us. And that's, believe it or not, nothing special. It's so normal, it'll weaken your knees. And everybody else who, who comes across you when you're in that natural state. We're in it, or we are expressing it, might be a better way to say that, we're expressing it, whenever we are absolutely, totally in this moment. When our minds aren't chattering about some future plan that we've, you know, something we've got to make sure we do later. When we're not encumbered by some memory of who we think we are or what has happened to us. So there's nothing in our past and there is nothing in our future that's grabbing us. We're just here paying attention totally to what's going on. And that's what we can practice just tonight and hopefully more than just tonight. Hopefully this is something that you can, you can catch yourself doing as you're spreading uh, butter on your toast in the morning, as you're feeding the cat, as you're brushing your teeth, as you're washing the dishes, vacuuming, as you're listening to someone who is clearly in a very unconscious and negative state yell at you on the phone. We can be present with all of that. And we don't get rattled so much. So <laughs> tonight we'll practice getting non-rattled on our, on our cushions <laughs> in our seats. All we're going to do, all we're going to do is for 30 or so minutes, we will sit still, okay? And it's fine if you sit in the fancy uh, traditional position or you're on a chair or how, however it is. The idea is to be still for a long period of time so that your mind, in essence, follows your body. If we can still the body, we just allow the mind to kind of observe that stillness. And in the observation of that stillness, it starts to recognize thought there's something in us, some awareness that recognizes thought. Ooh, memory. Ooh, another memory. Ooh, plan. Plan, right? 
and we just rest as that still awareness. That awareness never moves. It watches everything that moves, but the awareness itself never moves. It's always with us. It's always with us, and we just kind of develop that. We develop that awareness. So as you're sitting, just practice that. Practice that. Practice being aware of the inflow and outflow of your breath. That awareness is the present moment. It's the now. It's full expression. It's your natural state. Try being aware of thought. Are they from the past? Are they from, from, are they leaning towards the future? The awareness of those thoughts comes from and is informed by totally the present moment. It is your natural state. Be aware. Don't flinch. Don't hide. Don't move. And if you start getting tense, you start going, what the hell am I doing here? And you know, whatever. That certainly was going through my head the first year I meditated practically. If you're in that space, don't flinch. Watch that anxiety. That which is watching the anxiety is free from it. Totally free from the anxiety. Okay? Ready? In this tradition, I want to tell you a quick little story. Uh, we face the wall because uh, there was an old, old master who uh, did this for nine years. He wanted to, he just wanted, he wanted to just absolutely just get this whole enlightenment thing. And so for nine years he sat and he uh, uh, faced, the, uh, faced this stone wall at the Shaolin Monastery. And he was so bummed that his eyes kept closing and he kept falling asleep that he tore his eyelids off. I love that part. That'll keep you awake. <laughs> tore his eyelids off and then flung his eyelids off to the side and they became, of course, China's first tea trees. Now this, of course, is a bunch of malarkey, but I'll get struck by Buddhist lightning right now or something. But the idea here is, can you, can, not that Christian lightning is different than Buddhist lightning, but we can just, it's a good thought exercise. This idea of being very, very concentrated, very, very still, and very, very fearless about whatever comes up. You can see sometimes, and my favorite uh, Buddhist icon is the, is the uh, Buddha sitting in lotus position and he's touching the ground. It's at the moment of his enlightenment, okay? He's touching the ground and it's, as the earth is my witness, I am not going to move. I'm not moving. You bring it, whatever it is. Demons, virgins, whatever it is, you bring it. I'm not moving. I'm staying right here. I'm facing everything and avoiding nothing. Bam! That's when it happened. So what do we do? Practice that. Meeting our natural state. Facing everything and avoiding nothing. We try it just for these 30 minutes and then see if it carries over for the rest of your lives as a homework assignment. <laughs> okay? Let's sit. We've spent a lot of time recently in this group talking about 
uh, a, a simple phrase, we call it the skin of ego. That we can, ego, the, the ego is not something that we can readily see, but that we can certainly identify as that in us which feels separate from everything else. This sense of being separate from, apart from, uh, uh, I love the phrase, uh, some people call it the me-go. <laughs> me, right? All that is me, all right? And it's not that the me isn't there, but that its machinations, its activity, is precisely what keeps the infinite at bay. It's precisely what keeps awakening to the infinite veiled from our sight. And the me thrives on time. It loves past and it loves future. In fact, without past or future, the me freaks. And this work is kind of designed to do that. It's designed to get the me to get scared. To say, wait a minute, how, I'm, I'm not in control. I can't manage everything. So now what exactly? Now what? And that's where things really start to get exciting. The universe has a way of reminding us of, the, of, reminding us of this fact constantly, that it will throw stuff at us constantly that will smooth out our rough edges if we let it. The universe is constantly throwing stuff at us that will challenge us to awaken. In fact, it doesn't stop. The universe is desperate, desperate to see itself through us. It may sound really freaky. I'll come back to it. But the universe is dying to see itself through us. What gets in the way of that happening is this me sense. So when we sit still and we become aware of the me, that awareness is infinite recognition. The awareness of the me the awareness of our resistance, the awareness of our negativity, the awareness of all that stuff, the awareness, that's our key to awakening. So when we sit still, we practice this. Put another way, facing everything and avoiding nothing puts us into a situation, puts us into an environment where we are literally sowing the seeds of awakening. We are planting them the minute we start just becoming aware. So when we're aware of our ego, we're aware of that me, and we're aware when it feels like it gets dinged or scraped, that's actually a marvelous thing. That's ego's rough edge getting smoothed out by the infinite. So, the reason why I bring this up is because so much of the time, 
we can be, maybe you've been in this situation where either you show up to like a sangha meeting like this, or you go to a retreat, or whether it's whether it's a you know a, one of ours or or some other retreat, some other teacher, some other tradition, or maybe it's just to go to the beach alone, maybe you know whatever it is, you do one of these things. It's like you you kind of unplug, and it's like ah okay cool, and then you come back, and somewhere usually midway home, almost always on the freeway, you lose that sense. You know? It's like, God, I was feeling so good and everything, and now it's like, damn it. You know? This stuff's crap. (laughs) But crap is part of infinity. (laughs) Right? And so the real work here... Maybe that should be the title of tonight's talk. Yeah. Crap. Yeah. Part of infinity. The cool thing about this is you can still practice with crap. In fact, if you're not, you're hiding. And that's exactly where we don't want to be. Everything as it is. That's what we're welcoming. And we practice that welcoming Every time we sit still. It's a little bit easier in a group. I don't know if you've noticed that. It sometimes can be easier in a sangha. You have the person to your right and the person to your left. And for some reason, just the fact that they are there kind of stiffens your practice just a little bit sometimes. It's a really beautiful thing. But practice with what is, not with what isn't. Practice with what is, not with what isn't. This is really the work. It's not that you show up, meditate, and you feel kind of replenished, and then you go home, and whatever replenishment you got is gone the second you see some mess in the living room that the dog created or something like that. Then it's real superficial. It's just a very, very superficial kind of uh, kind of work that any of us is doing, if that's always the case. Uh, I sometimes call it the rubber band effect. It's like if I stretch a rubber band between my, um, uh, my thumb and middle finger here, and then I grab it with my index finger and thumb from the other hand, and I stretch it, right? And it's like, oh, man, this feels so good when you're stretched, right? And then you go home, and it's right back. It's like, well, wait, how do I get back there again? And then we spend all this time trying to pluck that rubber band and pull it back and pull it back and that really gets in the way of the work. It shouldn't be the reach for the rubber band and pulling it. It should actually be moving the rubber band to where we always already are. And we do this by facing everything, by not flinching. Another metaphor that we could use is sweeping stuff under the rug, you know? I love that, that image. I always, ever since I was a little kid, I always thought that was so cool because, you know what, when you sweep enough stuff under the rug, you'll trip. Eventually, you'll trip. You'll, you have to, every one of us, if you, if you really want to start on the path, you got to face what's under the rug. you got to face what you have been hiding or what you have been hiding from. Cleaning that mess. Lifting those stones so that the flow flows more freely. 
there is never not an opportunity then for us to fully realize what we have always been. It may show up at a retreat. It may show up with one teacher and not another. It may show up at any point in time. Where it shows up is really up to you. <laughs> not the me, the you. That which is sacred in you. Touching that, okay? Being aware of your experience is what touches it. Being aware of your experience totally, being mindful, is what allows for this to kind of unfold very, very naturally. I remember uh, I was quite caught as a, as a young uh, monk feeling that whatever teaching I was getting out here on the west coast of uh, the United States of America couldn't be as authentic as what I could get on the beaches or in the forests of Thailand or in the Himalayas. I thought for sure it would be more pure if I left. So I did. And I recognized there, I mean, there were some amazing teachers that I ran into, and I, I count myself absolutely to, I wouldn't be here without that experience. But the, the flight, if you will, the run to where I thought the me was just, just absolutely ensconced in this idea that, oh, if I can just get to the authentic source, everything's going to be fine. And they have an authenticity that the group I've been working with doesn't. I found out that uh, mosquitoes really suck in the forests of Thailand. <laughs> and the beaches, I, I sunburn really badly, really badly, you know? No matter how much sunscreen I put on, I tend to just ignite. And it's just not, that wasn't fun. And in the Himalayas, monsoons suck, you know? The mud, the rock slides, the, uh, I mean, you know, and, and what happened, why would anybody drink yak butter tea and think that that rancid yak butter tea and then think that that gets you closer to, you know, whatever, I mean, all these things, I'm sitting there kind of just, take me home, you know? It's fascinating. It was fascinating. Click the ruby slippers. For all of us, really. I mean, click the ruby slippers. There's no place like home. And guess where it is? Here. Right here. You're the one that carries your mind and your heart. And all that you have ever done. Or we, could, the, we call it karma. It's kind of a fancy phrase, but karma. All that you have ever carried, built, manufactured in your past, you carry with you. And this heart that you're working with, that's, that's helping you walk the path. This mind that's constantly chattering, whatever, that's all yours. That's what we get to work with. Practice with that. Practice with that crap. As we do, as we, we become aware 
of what we were, we're carrying, the load miraculously gets lighter because we can realize, that, you know what, I don't need to carry that anymore. I also don't need to carry this anymore. I don't. And slowly but surely, with greater and greater awareness, we let go of those karmic knots. We let go of the things that have pained us. We let go of all those stones that are blocking the free flow. We literally let go of them. And, and by letting go, I mean actually move them off to the side. Letting go. Our minds are no longer center stage, but we actually can spend more time watching our minds. And in the watching of our minds, we become free of their activities. Or our mind's activity, I should say. It's incredibly freeing. We're no longer locked. We're no longer pinned. And this is the liberation that everyone talks about. Can you be aware of your experience? So aware that you're no longer caught by it. Can you be aware of your depression? So aware of your depression that you're not caught by it. That which is aware of your depression is not depressed. That which is aware of your dilemma is not caught by the dilemma. Am I clear here? Does this make sense? This awareness is actually our key and we just literally kind of pump it up whenever we meditate. That's when we become as I say, sometimes spiritual athletes. We practice it. We practice it. We practice it. Just like we might the piano. And sooner or later, the Rock 3 just becomes the easiest, easiest piano piece we could play with more and more and more practice. And you find teachers, teachers spiritual teachers, if they're, in, in my view, any good, have nothing to sell you. Just like a person who's playing, you know, in a concert or something, they don't, they don't have anything to sell you, really. They're just communicating. They're letting the universe meet itself through their activity. Yeah? And every one of us can do that in every minute. Maybe it's how you relate to kids. Maybe it's how you can paint. What is it that makes your heart sing? If you're not paying real close attention to that and you're not staying real close to that, you're denying all of us the infinite. What drives you? What takes you out of your hiding places? What activity pulls back the rug and cleans up the stuff underneath. What activity is that for you? Uncover it. Uncover it. And then be aware fully of how you are in those moments. Because that awareness is where actually the infinite meets itself again and again and again and again. And the skin of ego becomes I almost want to say translucent. It becomes so smooth 
that just kind of falls away. And this me is still there, but it no longer holds, it's no longer contracted in a way that keeps infinity or tries to keep infinity at bay. It surrenders to the fact and opens itself to the fact that the infinite will always, always win. Always. It'll always, <laughs> always, it always wins. And far from being like a, um, a message that uh, a message that should grind against, you know, your sensibilities. I'm hopeful that that message that the infinite always wins actually inspires a deeper sense of what truth can be uncovered in this practice. Living from that natural state, living from that openness. be happy to see what kinds of questions you guys might have and see where they could uh, spawn a little bit of um, a little bit more discussion maybe a little bit more directed yeah Jen I find that at the beginning of the meditation I'm so kind of relieved to have that moment of quiet and I'm able to go through most of the time with dealing with the thoughts that come up and I'm actually I'm getting better and better mm -hmm. at, at acknowledging them but then I think my ego just gets so frustrated that it really starts screaming near the end mm -hmm. does it scream in your mind or through your body because it can do either okay in my mind and it just starts throwing things at me and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you ring the bell mm -hmm. <laughs> now what do I do well, I'm just reading your mind the whole time, so I just, I just wait till it gets really bad. Mm. Jen's about to freak. Mm. You know, spontaneous combustion. Right, right. But I, and then, you know, you say to stretch, and so I'm like, okay, so I, I'm just really mystified as to what to do with that last scream, That last right? surge. That last surge, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm, I've been enjoying the peacefulness. Right. But the minute it gets not peaceful, exactly. right, remember, you're supposed to practice with the crap, right? And that's, right? right, right, and that's what I was doing, that's what I'm able to do, but then pretty soon, you know, I can only do that for so long. Right, where, right. Where am, am I going wrong? No, you're not going wrong at all. This, that means everything's working perfectly, okay? Okay, no, okay so now you're ready, ready for the practice? Yes. Which you, this is your own little homework assignment. <laughs> What I want you to do, just try this if you can, is when the intensity starts building so much that you want to just cry out, okay? When, when you're just getting attacked by, you know, flying little thought gremlins or whatever they are that, you know, whatever is happening to you, what I want you to do is in your mind, welcome them. I want you to quietly say to yourself, bring it. Okay? Not out of, not out like, now watch me kick your ass or anything like that, but just bring it. 
bring it. The Buddha, the legend goes, went through exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. Every Mara, which is a, uh, like a, a demon or devil, uh, uh, essentially, threw everything at this guy or girl, depending on your, you know, if you want to look at the Buddha as a female, I'm totally down with that. That's fine. <laughs> Because we don't even know if he really existed, so who cares? The story's great. What happens here is this. Everything gets thrown at him, and instead of fighting what is thrown at him, he just basically says, as the earth is my witness, I will not move. And so take it as far as you can, and then when you feel like you're going to just snap, okay, what I want you to do is breathe five times with that intensity. And then after that, move your position, open your eyes, do whichever ever you have to do. Unless at the end of five breaths, the intensity is diminished. And I have a bet. I will bet you one dollar that at the end of five breaths, what do you think is going to happen? Just like the itch on your nose goes away, right. so too will the little thought gremlins. They'll just kind of... It's when, when the mind... Or, and I use the mind and the ego or the me interchangeably, when the me realizes that you ain't moving, no matter what it can do, it gives up. It surrenders itself. Okay? And that's when the veil comes, comes back and suddenly you can see stars. The stars that you actually are. So pr practice with that. Practice with the crap. So then when you ring the bell, then it's okay to just sit here and take the five breaths. And, I mean, if this should happen again, mm -hmm. then just continue to sit here. Actually, five breaths when the bell rings, yeah. when the bell rings, I want you to stop. But at home. Or if, if hopefully it'll happen sooner next time. And maybe what I'll do is I'll, I'll just, I'll try to really tune in and, and stretch a little bit. <laughs> I'll listen over there for, uh, <laughs> let her go, let her go, let her go. Let her cook a little longer, a little, yeah. But you know what I mean? Just, uh, this stuff has a tendency, the deeper our practice goes, the more common these experiences arise, you know, the more often they arise, I guess I should say, the more opportunity we have to test our limits and test our limitlessness. Okay? So then just stop. At, once the bell rings, the bell rings just, take just, just take a breath and, and recognize that you made it. <laughs> You're still here. Even with all the crap. Yeah, even yeah. with all the crap. If the crap's still flying and everything, then you know what you do is just kind of wave, ha ha, bell rang. <laughs> okay? <laughs> bell rang! <laughs> all right? Yeah. But this, it, this is, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I mean, when our, when our, when our minds start playing these games, Okay, and that's all they are. They're just thoughts, for Christ's sake. Right. You know what I mean? Just thoughts. Are you gonna Are you gonna fall prey to their falsehood? Of course not. You're bigger than that. That which is real in you, that which is timeless in you, that which is infinite in you. That's all so silly. It was. Yeah. There you go. That's freedom. actually have a question for some of the, the newbies in the back. Uh, how did this strike you? <laughs>
did you have anything, and, and I don't mean just the, you three ladies, but like anybody is, uh, where are you? Where are you? Or you can shut up. <laughs> what did you think? Um, I, I did a study of meditation in school last January. Uh -huh. um, I liked the meditation right up to the point where we went to a monastery, and then it totally lost me on the whole religious aspect because I'm not religious at all. It was way too woo-woo for me, and so I like, honestly, I like your approach a lot, a lot better. It's, it's a lot more interesting for me. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. So that, that's where I am right now, is, is highly interested. Yeah, highly interested. Um, let that guide you. Let the interest guide you, and make sure you try a lot of different approaches. I, too, was kind of, uh, I was turned off by kinds of training, uh, kinds of religiosity. Uh, I am not a religious person, um, but I also see its value. I think it helps translate uh, the infinite is is so scary, you know, you know, it's because that's where that everything is sourced from and dies into this like gaping maw of what we call the infinite, right? So the wisdom traditions always try to make that palatable, manageable. If you go here, then this will happen forever. You will have a house, or excuse me, a room in the house of God, for instance, if you accept Jesus Christ as your personal. Savior, or if you you know you follow the Talmud or you follow uh, you know Islam or whatever it is, those things all have some really, really powerful um, or thick blinders that they can throw on to their adherents. However, at the core of every single one of those, at the core of every single one of those traditions, is exactly what you're talking about, which is what's what's beyond the the fuss. What's beyond all the ritual? And it's not that ritual is bad. I think ritual actually, it's something we don't do in here too much, except a little bow, that's about it, ringing the bell. It's a way of making the mundane, the most basic aspects of our day-to-day, -day, remind us that they're holy. Everything is holy. There is nothing that is not holy, right? Nothing. The baby crying, holy. The murder, holy. Huh? Murder's not holy. What does murder bring out in people? Have you ever seen the compassion that a genocide can bring out in a globe of people? It's not to, I'm not endorsing it. Please don't misunderstand. You know. <laughs> but it's just like the, it all it all works so beautifully and so perfectly if we can look at the beauty of everything, even when it's not pretty. And that carries us then into, instead of translation of the infinite, it allows us to be transformed by the infinite. Hear that? Instead of translation, we're looking at transformation. And that's really, that's, that's what I think, like this, this sangha is really kind of working towards, along with countless others that are starting to spring up around the world. I think it's very interesting what's happening right now right now in the world, spiritually, in that way. So I, don't, I have no explanation for it, except that the universe is expanding. So is our consciousness, because our consciousness is part of the universe. That's just one silly theory, but uh, yeah. Any other questions or comments? Yeah, Kim.
Um, just sort of to clarify, similar to Jen's question, um, when I meditate, I can observe my thoughts, but then, um, um, like when those grumblings will come in, or just a past memory or future memory, and I completely lose awareness. It's just like the door goes, and I'm in that memory, and I lose my my ability to watch the thought. Mm -hmm. But then I'll come out of it, and I'll, oh, and in the past I can say, oh, I just lost my awareness, but then I'll, it'll come back. It'll go in and out. So when you, you actually become aware of your loss of awareness? But after the fact. After the fact? Right. That's still, that's great. That's practice. Right? And so is progress where that happens, the losing of the ability to watch happens less and less frequently? Yeah, it begins to actually take over. That's the best way I can describe it. It begins to kind of, you center your activity from a place of not of non-progress, of openness. Openness to progress or non-progress, it's all good, okay? It's all good. Yep, the big secret is that's huge progress. The minute you get to that space, that spaciousness, just kind of openness, it's where, it's where we become aware of our non-awareness. Awareness of our non-awareness is, that's awakening, you know? That, that's when our natural state begins to kind of reveal itself. And it happens the more frequently we do this, whether alone or in a group. Uh, I happen to be an advocate, and I know that a lot of old timers know I'm such a, I, I just beat brows on this one. Don't just sit here. Sit more. Sit more. Because what then happens is that awareness all the non-awareness that kind of clouds things, you begin to get aware of that cloud. And the awareness starts to take over. And it starts to take over not only in your day, but also in your dreams. You can become aware of your dreams. Not lucid dreaming, where you're trying to manipulate or change what you're, what's happening, but where you just become aware. And then it begins to tip into, and this is unmistakable when this happens, it can tip into your dreamless sleep where there's just awareness. And you become aware all the way through the night and the day. And we call this awakening. Mm -hmm. Oh, you meant dreams, literally dreaming. Literally dreams. Mm -hmm. Now, if any of you start striving for that, mm -hmm. you're busted. <laughs> it's not the point. It's not the point. It happens. It, it just is this natural, constant consciousness is kind of a natural thing that begins to kind of unfold as you practice being aware. I mean, think about it. It's so natural, yeah? And being, being aware of your non-awareness, that's it. Hooray. Anyone else? Yeah. One of the things that I've found since I've been doing this much was um, I used to hate running and jogging because mm -hmm. it used to be about the most boring thing I could think of doing for exercise. And I used to go play soccer or rap or whatever it is, but whenever running was on the agenda, it was like, ah, I don't want to do that. And now I find that I can get out there and run, take the dog, actually run with my daughter, mm -hmm. and 
when I start to get to that point where I just want to give up, I take those deep breaths and I start saying, wow, what a beautiful day it is, or just seeing what's around me, and I don't want to give up anymore, I just want to keep going. Neat. Can I, can I give you another thing to play with? Mm -hmm. uh, you can maintain awareness in your run. You know how like when you go on a run or you do any type of physical activity, you can get some really good thinking in, mm -hmm. right? Be aware of the thinking. Be aware of the resistance. That awareness, actually, you can try this too, is never touched by fatigue. You're in the midst of an intense workout. The awareness is, doesn't change. You might be aware of a greater intensity, but it never, it never shifts. Use, use that. Use that. And study the fact that there is resistance or preference. You have, that we have preferences for certain things over other. Preferences, preferences aren't necessarily bad. But they're little, little subtle ego grabs. They actually lead us to what we grasp if we can check our preferences. And so being hyper aware of that as, as you run. And instead of like, like saying, okay, I'm not going to think about how miserable I am. I'm going to think about what a beautiful day. Be aware of the misery. Mm -hmm. Be very aware sure. of the crap. Sure. Yeah. And then watch what happens. The beautiful day will reveal itself on the other side yeah. of that whole thing. It's really... Yeah, I don't. I, I try not to suppress it. Good. But it just helps me. You know, I'd be aware of it. So it's like what you were saying earlier with the take five breaths and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like you live through that pain or that thought, and then you go, okay, yeah, okay, it's there. And now what else? Right. Right. Not just there, but just. That's exactly right. Okay. Don't 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 dwell on it. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Don't push it anywhere. Just let it. Let it. That doesn't mean don't engage in your life. Go ahead. Go for it. Please engage in your life. But engage in your life from a place of depth, from a place of awareness, as opposed to from a place of want. Crave. That's always going to be centered in the me. Okay? Awareness is always going to be centered on what is always on the other side of me. Thanks for coming. Good line. The other side. <laughs>